Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name's Daniel. I'll be your host. Today on the podcast, we started a brand new series all about the Bible. And today we talk about the Bible and science. Do they agree and can you trust them both? We'll talk about that and so much more on today's episode. Remember, our goal on the podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better so together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better, episode 59. Mm. 59, guys, we're almost 59. to 100. Just wow. kidding, we're not. <laughs> it's almost to 100. <laughs> uh, well, we started a brand new series this week called Getting to Know Your Bible. You started a brand I, new series. I did do that. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Is anybody going to ask me the opening question? No? Sermon in 60? Yeah, here we go. It is not going to take you six seconds. It's a statement again. It's a statement. <laughs> I guess we could, Daniel, could you do your sermon Four words. In 60? Do we can do it. Trust we can do your it. Bible. Yeah. God wrote a book. God wrote oh, a book. No. You like that? No. God wrote a book? No. See, the backstory, quick backstory in the banter is uh, in the writing process, we have a team of people who we get together, study for sermons, and help each other write. But, uh, one of our co-writers would always say, God wrote a book. We should just say, God wrote a book. We should, and Drew was really frustrated at that. So I said it a few times this week to open up old wounds, you know. On my campus said yeah. it too. Yeah. yeah. So, so my sermon in 60, though, is uh, I wanted to set forth this tension of uh, we need to read our Bible, but we have to start from a place of trusting our Bible. So I want to give three major reasons why we can trust our Bible, and the action step was kind of do it. So three reasons where you can trust its historical, textual, and prophetic accuracy of the Bible, and your action step was try to read it. Read it. Start. Obviously, we haven't covered the all one, that content. The one challenge. The one challenge. And I made it up, you know. Uh, but it's good. Yeah, so in that, uh, we obviously haven't covered everything, because we're going to cover in the upcoming weeks, like, how to read the Bible, what the major story is, what it's useful for. But yeah, that's what I want to do. That God wrote a book and we can trust it. And that action step is spend time with it. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I don't know if I would add a fourth one yeah. to your. I one, had two, multiple. Three. I, I had, I well, had I guess that's many the big, things. That's yeah. the big question, right? Yeah. Is because how do you fit a talk like this into 25 minutes? I, I did mean, it. You know, you did it. We're Which done. We're Thanks, guys. amazed <laughs> and in awe of, you know, just a really something that's coherent, comprehensive. Yeah. And obviously, you can go deeper on Congratulations. it. Congratulations. You were coherent. Congratulations. <laughs> Check that box off. Got wrote a book. But, I mean, in that process, you must have left a lot on the table. Yeah. I mean, what was your biggest frustration in terms of, or other things that were really high, almost made it in? Yeah. So there were other reasons why you can trust the Bible, which some of them we're going to cover um, in that regard, like the fact that it's a divine human partnership, that it's not like similar to other faith books that claim like it fell out of the sky with mm-hmm. on human tablets, which get into some of the tensions that people raise of why they don't trust the Bible because of the supposed um, contradictions in, in even like the Gospels themselves, but that we, we can see that it's um, the human authors having their own personality. They're not being stoic. They're not in a trance, which is other other things that I weren't able to uncover. Of like, what does it mean that it's God inspired? That God's I, I kind of said that God's hands are all over it. That He's in it, but simultaneously, like He didn't put the authors into this trance where they're like, you know, I'm I'm doing stuff on the camera right now. So if you're listening to this in yours, it's gonna, not going to be as powerful. Like they're not just like 
you know, almost seizing as they're riding. Like, you know, they're, they're not like... John might have been in Revelation. Yeah, yeah in but, Revelation, uh, <laughs> he's, you know, it was, all that heat was getting to him. Is, but, there, like, is there another week that would address those kinds of questions? No, really th- there's so? really not. Like, okay. if you if you want to talk about some of those questions, I'm leading a book club for, through Equip on uh, Timothy Paul Jones's book, Why I Trust the Bible. Um, and so, or why you should, I can't remember. There's like four That's or five. That's why I trust the Bible. Yeah, why okay. I trust the Bible. So there's like four or five books that have very similar titles in that uh-huh. vein that I, I read all those in preparation for this. Like mm-hmm. William D. Mounts has like, why you should trust the Bible. And then like... <laughs> Pivy Ball Jones is like, why I trust the Bible. And then there's another one by another guy that's like, you should, tr- uh, I don't know. They're, they're very similar in all talking about the same thing of like, mm-hmm. what does in God breathe mean and how did it impact the human writers is something mm-hmm. that I wanted to unpack even more of God. Then uh, there's a tension in that, like, did those writers know they were writing scripture? There's another thing that I've wrestled mm-hmm. through, which I think that, they they definitely you know if you look in second peter he cites paul at, he he verifies that paul's letters later in second peter chapter 3 i think it's verse 16 mm-hmm. where peter says paul he writes really confusing but his his he's god inspired like right. this is god's book and so i think that the writers of scripture knew what they were doing they weren't just like ah you know what I'm going to write some good stuff down, you know, which we have Luke and his gospel in the opening of Luke chapter one and Acts chapter one. We see Luke writing this orderly account yeah, right. of Jesus's life. He's, yep. he's picking and choosing. And John, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, we see John saying, I wrote these things mm-hmm. so that you could know the Messiah. Right. There's life in his name. Yep. Like, and so they're they're knowing, they're they're intentional about this. They're not like, you know, Jesus did some really cool stuff. I should write this stuff down. Right. Like, like right. they're very methodical in their approach. And I, I wish I could have had time to draw like all of that stuff out, um, but I had mm-hmm. to leave some of that on the table. And the other thing that I would say that isn't going to be covered in another week, there was one of, of the Bible's life-changing power. But uh, just hang around till week four. Jason, our uh, spiritual formation pastor, he's going to deliver a, a great talk about like the usefulness of the Bible, of what it uses in our life. But then the other thing is that I wanted to really cover is what do we do with the Bible and science? Mm. You know, like there, there's a lot of people that they don't trust the Bible because mm. of science and specifically around miracles, mm-hmm. you know, of, of creation and miracles. Like what do we do with that tension? Like, because the Bible clearly, specifically like in Psalms uh, in the Old Testament, like it's clearly contradicting science in some regard but what is what is it doing you know in psalm chapter 19 verse 1 it says you know that the sun dances across the sky well we know that the sun doesn't move we move mm-hmm. so the bible's false right is that the conclusion no obviously <laughs> why, why not Phew. because it's <laughs> it's it's obviously what what is the intent of the words that's poetry it's 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 a word picture not meant to be taken literally it's true in terms of communicating the beauty and an awe for what God created, but it's not intended as a scientific text. Well, and that's a, uh, essentially some of the hard parts about the Bible, right, is depending where you're reading, you're getting different types of literature. We'll talk about this a lot next week, the makeup of your Bible, but like, yeah. not the entire Bible is not meant to take completely literal. Yeah. You know, like... And people will land differently in interpretation. Yeah, for sure. what's, com- you know... And there's a proper... In which I think you're drawing some of this out, but maybe not in these terms of, like, the primary method that we le- read 
all other literature is reader response method. Right. Right. Of like you read it and then you are in a literature class and you know, what does the professor or teacher instructor say? Hey, what'd you get out of that? What'd that mean for you? And you're, you, we, How we all did that read, make you feel? you know, we all read Moby Dick <laughs> and we're all like Drew's, you know, I, I didn't read Moby okay. Dick. Okay. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Brad, for your honesty about class today. <laughs> Just want to come uh, clean about that. <laughs> you know, and, and Drew says he gets this one thing out of it because this one character really connected to him. And Brad, you got something else. I got something totally different. Right. And the, the press are like, great job doing that today, guys. But if we great discussion. Yeah, great mm-hmm. discussion. But if we read our Bible and we're like all all over the map. Well, we didn't do it right. Like, right. you know, the primary method of Bible reading is not reader response. It's what did the author intend? Absolutely. You know, and, yep. and right. with Psalms, think about poetry. He was mm-hmm. not trying to make a scientific claim. Right. He's making a, a claim about the beauty of creation. He's, right. he's being poetic in, mm-hmm. in what he's doing in that regard. And so. Well, and the Bible, you know, you said this in your message is truth. The word is truth. And so no other book am I going to and and really trying to discuss like, oh, this is the truth. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge difference. And I think that's one of the hardest reasons why people struggle to trust the Bible is because of the claims the Bible makes, Mm -hmm. right? The claim it makes on your life and what it can do in your life, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know any other book. Maybe there is some books out there, obviously, maybe more some more spiritual books, but any other book that basically claims this will change your life if you read it. It might change yeah. a habit, but... There's probably, like, self-help books out there that are changing, like, this book will change your life if you read it. Right, but I, I just book, mean, so like, yeah, like, this will change, <laughs> yeah, like, a habit in you your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the Bible clearly states this will make, make you from dead to life. Yeah, Right, yeah. that's a change that, I don't know, right. is a claim any other book's going to make. Yeah. Which is directly tied to the resurrection. Yeah. So yeah. there's so many things you can get bogged down in in terms of claims. I would encourage anyone who's like wrestling with the claims of the Bible, make the resurrection your number one investigation. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So because, and that's, you know, we talked about uh, the Bible not being like other books, you know, in sense of history, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. if we, like, if even if I'm reading Proverbs, you know, I don't care who Agur is, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, did he exist, didn't he exist? Who is he? It's immaterial, right? We're talking about kind of like moral truth and principles. Yeah. Same way if you read, you were studying Buddhism or something, it's like, here are these truths, not necessarily tra- tied to historical events, but yeah. the Bible rises and falls on the historicity yeah. of the resurrection of Christ. Right. Therefore, the historical claims are exceedingly important, right? Right. Which you have these scientists, you know, I'll, I'll point out one, there's a book by uh, Joshua Schwamidas, which is, his name is the, uh, he, he was a researcher uh, for, I think, BioLogos for uh, several years, a ministry that is talking about creation and a lot of other things. And he wrote a book um, called The Genealogical Adam and Eve. And, and he was just wrestling through these two claims of gene, mm-hmm. genes and looking at DNA and all these different things, not yeah. jeans like we're wearing, but right. you know what I'm yeah. here. You know, I, I, that's, if, if, <laughs> if somebody says jeans on a podcast, that's the first thing that goes to my mind. I'm just being honest. Uh, but he, he did all this research, and basically his book comes to the conclusion that a genealogical Adam and Eve are is scientifically plausible. Mm-hmm. And so if you struggle with that about creation and how the world came into being, like mm-hmm. you could have a very different perspectives about creation, but, you know, and he comes, I listened to him on a podcast interview, and he was like, Jesus made these claims about Adam and Eve. So I wanted to search them down for my brothers and sisters in the community who were like, struggle with that and say, it actually is plausible. And so mm-hmm. the, that's a truth claim about Genesis 1 
And chapter two about there's a first man and first woman is a truth claim about history, um, and right. and Jesus affirms that, and then all these other historical events. Yeah, and the fact that Jesus claims that you had you know you mentioned t- uh, textual, historical, and prophetic yeah. accuracy. Yeah, you made sort of a, a an offhand comment that I thought also could have been a main point yeah. was Jesus's opinion. Yeah, you know of the Bible, of yeah. the scriptures, of the Old Testament. So like the fact that Jesus believed there was an Adam. Well, yeah. that's a big deal. That yeah. should almost be like one of the four like yeah. points. It feels like when I was in seminary, I studied with Kenneth Conser. He was a former editor of Christianity Today, yeah. and he was quite old. He died uh, shortly after then, um, but just incredibly godly man. But he talked about the fact that he studied under Karl Barth in Germany oh, and was seems like a big deal. <laughs> almost, almost persuaded of higher criticism, which doubts the full inerrancy of the Bible. Almost persuaded. But when he read the New Testament and when he read what Jesus said about the Old Testament, that's what persuaded him that the Bible had to be true because Jesus believed it was true. Jesus believed there was an Adam, that there was a Jonah, that these things actually happened. Happened, Yeah, Yeah, that's incredible in that regard. Well, what would we say to somebody who struggles on the science side of like, well, I look at science and then I read the Bible. Okay, throw the Psalms out there, like, Mm -hmm. okay, but like, I, I just struggle, like, miracles, like Jesus making walking on water or Jesus like Mm -hmm. feeding 5,000 men plus their families with two loaves and fish. Like, like I struggle with that. Like how can that be true? The the claims that the Bible is made. I get the Jesus guy's a big deal, but Mm -hmm. I struggle with trusting the Bible because of those things. I mean, like just like really short sighted and simple. Like if you believe there's a God, yeah, how can you struggle with him walking on water or being able to do the mirac- like mm. creation, right? Like right. if if God created the universe, how could he not walk on water or how could he not bring dead to life? How could he mm. not, you know, do what would seem like simple things compared to creation? And so mm-hmm. I think some of it is just we're we're not talking about ordinary. We're talking about supernatural. Right. And that's yeah. why I always drive back to the resurrection, because that's the biggest miracle in the Bible, mm. period, the resurrection yeah. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I can't really... His, the most plausible interpretation of history for me is the resurrection really happened. Mm. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, I don't see these apostles you know, going yeah. to die right. you know, for a lie. Yeah. And the church flourishing and spreading and taking yeah. over the Roman Empire. For me, the most plausible explanation is resurrection really happened. So if you believe that miracle happened, then I think other miracles are less problematic. <laughs> right. Yeah, for well, sure. I think I totally when it comes to science, I think science, God gave us science to affirm God, mm-hmm. not to define God. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think sometimes we try to we try to put God in the box of science when he's really outside mm-hmm. of that box, right? Science can't define, always explain God, but mm-hmm. oftentimes it will affirm the evidence of God. Mm-hmm. But I think there are just some things in faith that we got to be like, that's a supernatural thing. Yeah, that's, that's a, incredible. Yeah. I can't make sense of it. I can't scientifically, even maybe sometimes prove it. Yeah. There, right. There's many times in science that, you know, like how many times have we heard in medical science specifically, like doctors are like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Like you were supposed to be dead. Like, you know, or what, what from a car crash or from yes. uh, 
a diagnosis mm-hmm. or whatever the case be. So many times, you know, like, you know, you've heard doctors say, like, I don't know why you're still here, but... Hmm. Like they're, they're just they're at that's lost. the one time they're doctors lost. go to like, God, right? Well, maybe like, God exists. Man. Someone was looking after yeah. somebody you, was looking after right? you. You know, of of you have doctors who obviously have more or less faith than others, but there's many times that it can't be explained. And so I loved your point there on uh, just like yeah, if we believe in a God mm-hmm. that is active, involved in our world, then miracles are bound. We miracles well, and, are not a far stretch. It's like obviously, and even like, if you do believe in God. Don't you want that God, if you truly believe in him, to have powers beyond yours, mm-hmm. powers that are unexplainable to you? Like, mm-hmm. isn't that in essence what makes God God and me not? Yeah, or even more than that, don't you want him to be involved in our world? We right. don't want to be like deists that say, like, God will, he spun the world on a, like a top and he walk, he's like, all right, you guys figure that out. Like, yeah. we want God to be active and involved in our world. If we trust that he's a good God, that he's a loving God, He's a giving God. Uh, we, we want him to be involved in our mm-hmm. world. Uh, the other question that we want to talk about is, uh, what are some reasons that people don't read their Bible? Not that they don't t- trust it, but you know, if you think about the sermon I preached, I kind of was like, trust the Bible, action step, read it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What are some reasons that people don't take the challenge that we offer them many times of like, get into God's word for yourself? Why don't they do that? Yeah, I think the obvious is confusing or hard, right? And mm-hmm. and let, let's just all admit that it is. Yeah, 100%. Right? Okay, so if you feel that way, it's normal. You're not stupid. Mm-hmm. You're not less spiritual. The Bible is a very hard book. It's a mm-hmm. complex book. It's also a very large book. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the Bible is not a book you pick up and you read from cover to cover in five days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... A lack it, of and un- it's not meant to be read once. Right. That's what's crazy about yes. the Bible. It's like, mm-hmm. have you ever watched like a really good movie series? Like, uh, this may be controversial, right? But like, <laughs> my wife and I ever to kick off fall every year, we watch the all the Harry Potter movies. Like mm-hmm. all all those. Like that's just what it, we did. Our first year of marriage, we, really? we, we all had, eight of them. All of them. Mm-hmm. We watch all of them. You know, we, it may take us a couple of weeks. You know, it may, we may do like a weekend marathon or something like that. But we we like it. Like we none of neither one of us had have read the books. Oh, uh, really? But like, wow, yeah, that's the controversial. That's oh, the controversial yeah. thing. Now we lost. Yeah. People. Oh, sorry guys. Oh, sorry. Well, I wasn't a reader growing up at all. Like I hated reading to a T until I graduated Bible college. And, and you haven't read the Harry Potter books yet? And I still haven't read the Harry Potter books. Uh, that surprises me. Yeah, so um, I've thought about it, but then I was like, but you know. that's the you know, point. So, I he know. doesn't read Harry Potter. Okay, back to my thing, that so my point that I was too. trained. Yeah. And so when <laughs> we had like 20 bucks and we were newly married, we had no money. It was like, oh, look, Walmart, $20, all, mo- all the movies. And we bought it and like, great deal. we just started. So, but with the first time we watched those movies, we missed so many things. Oh, for sure. And we go back. And we're like, oh, did you catch that? Like, did you see that? That was like, they're hinting at what's going to happen two movies from now. Like, and we're like picking up on all these things. You're basically just proving and to then, everybody that you should have read the books, but just yeah. continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so in all that, yeah, but that's a, a good point. How many people have we talked to that have read through the, the Harry Potter books or the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or where the case would be? And they, they read through them multiple times yeah. to yeah. catch what the author is laying down in the same way that I know the Bible project in years past, they've done a turn the page challenge. So like this year, read through the book of Genesis 50 times. Mm. Like they want you to read through Ooh. and, and, and cause it's, they call it Jewish meditation literature. If, if it's caught, it's written in such a way that you're not going to pick up on everything with just one time, one yeah. read where you may read um, another book of a good book by 
uh, a good Christian author, John Piper, Francis Chan, yeah. and you, you read, you're like, oh, I've read that. Yeah. Like, you may not ever read it again, but mm. the Bible is not designed. Well, and I think, too, that's part of the, the reason that is, is we're not even just called to read the Bible. We're called to, like, no one's like, hey, have you memorized Francis Chan's books? But, like, the <laughs> Bible crazy love? <laughs> even tells us to do that, right? It says not only read it, meditate on it so think about it and write it on the tablet yeah Yeah. put it in your heart so you don't sin against god and so the bible is actually supposed to morph into who we are right the the words on the page are supposed to become the people that we become Mm, yeah and that's different than any other book oh 100 you know that's that's a whole nother level and i think how does that happen by familiarity, by doing those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even I, I know, looking back in my own story of just reflecting on the opening story that I told about me struggling with Bible reading, uh, I just know that in those early years of reading through the Bible, when I would, you know, I, I did kind of basically the one challenge. That's how my kind of started was like I read one chapter, and then next day I would read the next chapter of, you know, work, working through the New Testament or even in the Old Testament. And there would be days that I'd be like, hmm, I didn't get really anything out of this. Yeah. But then I'd move on, and I'd keep going, and then five, ten days later, I'd be like, wait, I remember where, like, ten chapters back, this happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is point, these are connected. And I would, yeah. like, pick up on things For that sure. if I would just throw my hands up, like, oh, I'm a little confused. I don't really know what's happening. I would miss out on those connections on the day after day more than just even the verse after verse, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was kept picking up and making the connections of, between books and chapters and verses, and um, but that's all in the way the Bible is made. Um, and it's so easy to be frustrated and just be like, you know what, that's too hard. I thought you were going to say, see, it's hard to read the Harry Potter books, it's hard to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, like, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. I remember reading Lord of the Rings, you know, and then many years later, the Peter Jackson movies came out, and it was like, oh, there were some things that I kind of put together. Mm. And then I reread The Lord of the Rings afterwards. And I just think about, you know, we do want you reading your Bible. That is the absolute, you know, most valuable yeah. pinnacle. But we do have um, teachers, like, I mean, Sunday mornings, we're trying to yeah. give you handlebars, roadmaps for how to understand your Bible, how to, hey, when you go in, you're going to be able to put things together. Good books, even good movies, dramatizations, whatever. The Bible Project. You can go back and forth with those things that will help. Yeah, those resources, yeah. Yeah, but it is a discipline, you know, a spiritual discipline. I think it's harder, again, culturally, right? I would... Much rather, you know, watch a action movie, right? A dramatization Mm -hmm. than... Um, the discipline of making, I love, what did you say? God wrote a book, unless we make space for it in yeah. our lives. Yep. And that's the discipline. That's the hard yep. part, you know, to mm-hmm. make that space, to give it concentration. I'm so distracted, mm-hmm. so distracted yeah. when I read the Bible. But to give it give it space, that's a discipline. That will reap benefits sure. in yeah. the end. But it's, and I think that's the number one reason why people don't read it, hard and confusing. I think another reason that is often, like, missed, everybody feels it, though, is... The, the lack of instant gratification. Yeah. Mm. yeah right? So, for sure. And I think I'm going to take some credit for this one in the sense of like, I think sometimes we tell people to read the Bible and it's going to change their life, but we forget a point. Mm. It's going to take time yeah. to change your life. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't 
Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible's power enough. You, you read one read verse, one verse boom, one time. it hits you yeah. and it changes your life. Sure. But in most cases, we've, we've made people feel like, man, if you just start reading your Bible, it'll change your life. Mm. Well, it will. If you, if you get into this rhythm, this consistency, right? Yeah. It, like, some, it times, sometimes it takes 10 days. Sometimes it takes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we have to tell people, like, it, it, it might not happen in a moment. Like, but I think people read the Bible even for a week and they're like, I'm still doing the same things I did, mm. right? Yeah, it's so not true. changing me. It, this you're lying to me, and I think we have to give the Bible time to seep into our hearts, right? What changes us instantly? We go to the gym. It, we don't have muscles immediately, yeah. right? It takes time. It takes consistency. Mm. It takes a habit, and so I think for people to understand that. It's not going to be this instantaneous miracle. It can be, but it most likely won't. And so you've got to read the Bible regularly and allow it to slowly change you. Yeah, that's so good. I love, like Psalm 19, I love that picture. I, I remember singing that as a kid. Mm. I'm not going to sing Go it. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah. Wind down oh, our episode the with some. Law, the uh-huh. Lord okay, is you can stop now. <laughs> that was great. That's, that's enough. Thanks, guys. But yeah. it's but sweeter, you know, more de- more to be desired than much fine gold. Mm. Sweeter the also honey. than the honeycomb. Yeah. You know, you think about he devoured the word. He loved the word. It was you know he would die without it. You know, and I to me that's. That's the picture of where we can be. We're not going to get there on day one, yeah. right? But, yeah. but with time, I mean, to get to that place where now you just see it as the source of life, you feed it, and there's beauty on it and yeah. because we see Christ. It's almost like the it. Bible is an acquired taste, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And I, I, I am like, I, uh, I love to convince myself to like something, mm-hmm. okay? So like olives, I used to hate olives. I went to Israel, and I was like, I'm going to love olives. So I just kept eating them and eating them and eating them you and eating them. them. I absolutely love them Wonderful, now. Yeah. So like I, I and I, I've literally trained myself to eat a bunch of things that I didn't <gasps> uh, like. I, I like take pride in it. Yeah. And I think we have to have that kind of mentality with the Bible of like, mm-hmm. yeah. no, I'm going to read this until I fall in love with it. Until right. it is, it mm-hmm. is, it is something that I desire, like honey, like you know, it is gold to me. Right, mm. right. We've That's all. Had, I mean, they, they don't come every day, but we've all had experiences of. I've seen something in scripture that just broke us, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just move the beauty of it or just, yeah. yeah. So do it until you love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good one. Well, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of A Little Better. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. 